Well, it's great to be here today. Thanks for showing up. And those of you who are tuning in, uh, glad, you're, glad you're with us. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the, that's tomorrow. Today is the third day of Christmas, right? It's the third day of Christmas. Started on Christmas Day, and we're in this experience called the 12 Days of Christmas. And that song, how many of you know the song, everybody? I put that in the list of the top five most annoying Christmas songs ever written. Wouldn't you? I mean, it's, it's just annoying. Every year, the PNC Bank publishes the Christmas Price Index, and they put a price on all these gifts that are given in that song. And in 2020, the price of the gifts actually went down because you can't get drummers and lords leaping and dancers together this year, so the price went down. But if all those gifts were given, uh, just a single one of each one, last year, the cost was $39,095. Now, if all those gifts are repeated, because you know that on the 10th day you get all those gifts again, because they all go down, the, 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 the Christmas price index for all of those 364 gifts was $105,561.87. Not only is that song annoying, it is expensive. And today is day three. And the reason that we're spreading Christmas out over these 12 days is to avoid, to avoid what Pastor Ryan last week called the Christmas crash. When I was a kid, my grandma in Arkansas would send us the Sears catalog. And we would rifle through that and she said, pick out anything you want. So we would wear the pages out of which section? The toy section. And we would make our lists and check them and then send them off to Arkansas. And then about two weeks before Christmas, this huge box would come to the house. And we'd wait, we'd open it together and out would come all these wrapped packages that would go carefully under the tree. And I knew exactly where all my presents were under that tree. I put them in a little stash, I'd shake them, and I'd compare them to my list and realize I probably am not going to get a lot of the stuff that I asked for on this list. And then Christmas Day would come, Christmas season, and by, what, 7.30 a.m. on Christmas morning, there were no presents left under the tree. And I would remember I would go and search through the tree and try to find an envelope, a small gift with my name, something. But then what would set in Christmas morning early the Christmas crash. And I'll bet all of us have experienced some of that even this year already. It's part of the reason why you're here today is because you've experienced a little bit of it. Your Christmas tree is no longer growing out of this beautiful bed of beautifully wrapped presents. The bottom of your tree, the only thing left is the skirt, and it's a little disheveled. Or, or your recycle bin Right? Stuffed with all that beautiful wrapping that was carefully wrapped around all those passages. And now it's just going to get tossed. And the lights, did you notice last night's, even though the wattage is the same, they're a little less bright. 
than they were leading up to Christmas. And that gift that you so wanted and hoped somebody would get for you and you got. Well, last night you found yourself trolling Amazon looking for that next doodad that was promises another adrenaline shot of consumption presumption. And so that's why, so what's the problem here? We often depend on the rush of a big event to carry us to the next big event because we like to stay on that high. We're sabotaged or even addicted to the big, the more, the loud, the bright, and have a less developed appreciation for the small, the simple, the quiet, and even the hidden. We suffer from what I call PTSD, post-traumatic soaring disorder. It talks about it in the Bible. It's in Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Here it comes. They will what? Soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they'll walk and not faint. Well, anybody, I mean anybody, can soar on wings like eagles on Christmas. But even eagles do not spend all their life soaring. Fewer people can run and run and run and not grow weary. But even fewer can walk and walk and walk through Advent and Christmas and Epiphany and Ash Wednesday and Lent and Easter and on and through the rest of the year and not faint, not faint, not experience the Christmas crash. And that's what this 12 days of Christmas experience is all about. How do we overcome PT soaring syndrome uh, disorder? How do we experience peace on earth, not just on Christmas Day and the lead up, but the day after Christmas and on into the year? How do we live the life of an everyday, we like to say around here, an everyday peacemaker? Well, day three today of the 12 days of Christmas holds one of the keys to avoiding the Christmas crash. And Bruce Epperly, that book that we're going through, in fact, I hope that you've signed on for the Daily Drops of Hope. Uh, it's Bruce Epperly's book called The Work of Christmas. And every day, Pastor Ryan is taking us through this book. I hope to sign up for that. But he wrote on day three this. During Christmas, our senses are trained to look for beauty. The warmth of a fire, bright poinsettias, holly and ivy and colorful lights on the tree. The whole earth is brimming with glory for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. As the philosopher Alfred Whitehead asserts, the aim of the universe is toward what? The production of beauty. Whether in the swirling galaxies, redwood trees and placid ponds, geese flying overhead, or the wrinkles on a grandparent's face, beauty is the gift of contrast, diversity, novelty, and transformation. So here's my point today. Everyday peacemakers awaken to the beauty of Christmas and then leverage that awakening in their normal everyday lives from here on out. One of the Christmas carols we sing poses this question. Said, said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Because if you're not watching, there's a star with a tail as big as a kite, and if you're not looking, you're going to miss it. How many of you saw the Christmas star, it's really planets, last Monday night? Anybody? Yeah. Those of you who didn't, why didn't you? You weren't looking. Because it was there. It was there. It was there. 
The song goes on, said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? Because if you're not listening, you're going to miss that song that's being sung so loud that it's as loud as the waves crashing on the rocks at an ocean and you're standing right there. But if you're not listening, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And it's so easy, isn't it? To be awake and aware of the beauty of Christmas until Christmas Day, until Christmas morning, and then crash. And what I hope to do today is to encourage us to take this, leverage this beauty that we learn to appreciate in the past season and carry it on into the next season. And so what wisdom does Scripture offer us? Well, I reread the Christmas stories, Matthew and Luke particularly, and looking for moments and listening for moments of beauty in them. And I, I have to tell you, uh, if I listed them all, this sermon would go into tomorrow because there are so many of them, but I just listed a few. The first one I found is Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus Messiah came about. Stop there. That word, the beauty of the word Messiah. And Luke uses the same word, only he puts it on the lips of angels when they're speaking to the shepherds. In 2.11, today in the town of David, a Savior is born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The word Messiah literally means the anointed one. It carries a sense of royalness to it sometimes. It's loaded with significance and beauty. I have these books at home. They call them theological dictionaries. Uh, they weigh about 40 pounds, and they're supposed to make you look really smart in seminary if you use them. But here are some of the topics that this title Messiah is connected to. Anointed for a special task, the bearer of burdens and sin, the cut-off one, humble, the just judge, prince of peace, promoting righteous humility, reliever of distress, servant of God, son of man, victorious king, expectation of his arrival, his just reign, his suffering, his pre-existence, justice for the oppressed. And Matthew hardwires this word, this word that's loaded with expectation, hardwires it, to Jesus and says that this long anticipated Messiah, this one that you've been expecting, he's arrived. He's here. He's on the scene. We've all experienced Fourth of July fireworks shows, haven't we? Or other fireworks shows. And if you're sitting close enough to the launching pad, you'll often hear this, right? And then you're looking up and you're waiting in expectation, and you're not quite sure what's going to happen. But what's going to happen? There's going to be this explosion of fireworks. And that's the way this word Messiah would have been heard, the beauty of this word, by people in that context. Because their, their, their expectation, these, whoop, whoop, and you know at the end of a, of a fireworks show, what happens? There's like 30 of those, whoop, 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 and you're just waiting for the sky to, just light up. In the Old Testament, every time it talked about Messiah, it created this vroom, this expectation that one day, one day this beautiful, unbelievable person with all of those things I read about is going to arrive on the scene and the gospel writer says, guess what? This Messiah is here. Just look around. A year ago, none of us would have imagined that millions and even billions of people <clears throat> on our planet would be looking for a medical, medical messiah 
in the form of a vaccine for the COVID. Last Christmas, none of us would have imagined. And the vaccine that promises to deliver us from the oppression, unjust pain, fear, suffering, and death of this virus. And for months, Big Pharma, Moderna, Pfizer, Dr. Fauci, the CDC have been creating this expectation. It's coming. It's coming. Boom, boom. Don't give up. Don't give up hope. It's coming. It's coming. And you, maybe you were watching on December the 14th in the morning on the news, national TV, when one of the first people to receive the vaccine, a, an ICU nurse in New York City. We saw that needle go in her arm, and my wife and I were watching it, and she turned around, and she just had tears streaming down her face. And she said, it's here. It's here. Finally, it's arrived. This vaccine that promises, promises to deliver people, our society, from the, all kinds of distress and fear and economic hardship. It's here. And this Christmas... When reading, or we hear this word, Messiah. I hope we'll connect it to this firework display of this beautiful person who's arrived, this beautiful Messiah who's promised to bring genuine peace into our lives. It's promised to relieve the distress of life. That's promised to bring justice to groups of oppressed people, to bring encouragement to groups of people who are who are fearful and discouraged and beat down to bring the word you can belong you're included to groups of people who have always felt on the outside because what the word Messiah means is all of this all of this in our lives a beautiful moment when we hear the word I hope you never hear that word Messiah the same again that you'll pause and remember that. Here's another beautiful moment. Matthew 1.18. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. There's a beauty in pregnancy, isn't there? A natural biological presence in human beings is a beautiful thing. As this baby grows and grows in the womb, it becomes more and more conspicuous to those of us on the outside. There are fewer things more beautiful than that. Because there's a new life taking shape. There's a human being in there that has never, ever existed before. And God, in, his un in God's unbelievable creativity, said, I'm going to entrust to human beings and empower human beings to be co-creators with me of these beings called human beings that will live on and on into eternity. Staggeringly beautiful. The sheer power and beauty. All of us are the product of that beauty coming together. And God's given it to us. Those of us who are parents probably remember those moments when we were told by a person or a pregnancy test, you're going to have a baby. Remember those moments, some of you? I do. I remember when my wife told us, Dennis, we're going to have a baby. I remember a few years ago when I was up in my office here in the building, 
And I got a FaceTime call from my son who's living in Ethiopia at the time. And he said to me, hey, he said, Dad, how would you like to be grandparents again? And uh, I knew that they were thinking about adopting an Ethiopian child. So my first question was, black baby or white baby? And he said, white, but it's not baby. It's babies. And I said, twins? He says, nope. He said, it's triplets. And my response, I just laughed. I just went, ah, I about fell off my chair. And it wasn't a ha-ha funny laugh. It was how in the world can this be kind of laugh. That's the kind of laugh it was. And my daughter-in-law, Ryan, as she got bigger and bigger and bigger with three babies, and even though it was incredibly uncomfortable for her, there's nothing more beautiful, nothing more beautiful than that. And as many of you know, these babies were born prematurely, a pound, 12 ounces each, at about 28 weeks, and they're, doing, they're all doing fine, marvelous. Um, but there was a, that pregnancy was one of the most beautiful things that ever happened. And in the Luke story, Mary responded to the messenger of God in the same way I responded to Ryan. This was her response when, when God told Mary she's going to have a baby, uh, like by the Holy Spirit. And she goes, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. All pregnancies have a sort of life-bursting-out beauty to them, don't they? But Mary's pregnancy has a miraculous, mysterious beauty all its own. Because it's a once-and-for-all eternity kind of pregnancy. I mean, we sang about it. This Christ who existed from eternity past, who according to the book of Colossians, helped to create the universe that we live in and brought this world into existence. This Christ became a human being, took on our flesh. And when this Christ decided to come to this planet, he didn't come in a flaming chariot, you know, with sword drawn, powerful, flanked by all sorts of angelic militia, saying, I've come to rule the world. Bow down to me. Powerful. Invulnerable. Fear-inducing. Coercive government-wielding. That's not the way God came. Came weak. Vulnerable. Dependent. Not not the way we would have imagined, but beautiful. As the song we just sang says, and he didn't come to a throne, he came to a cradle in the dirt. And so every time we see a pregnant woman, and I, it was interesting because there were several at our Christmas services, it just connected me to this story of Mary, and I hope it'll do the same to you. And that we would celebrate the beauty of a new life, in that person, and then pause and remember the mysterious beauty of Jesus who said, I'm going to go there. I'm going to become one of you. Emmanuel, God with us. Here's another moment of beauty. 
Mary gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she tells Joseph. And the conversation, well, it just didn't go so well. Because Joseph's not buying it. Right, Mary? You're pregnant, and God did it. Try that one. It wasn't working on Joseph either. Matthew 1.19, Joseph did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. And we see right here the beauty of compassionate justice. Oh, he had every right to expose her publicly, to create this big local scandal around Mary. Could have made a public example of her. He had every religious right to do that. Justice, raw justice, can look something like that at times. And honestly, there are times when it should. But there's always opportunity for compassionate justice. And when we see it, when we see it, it is a beautiful thing. Just compassion. Just mercy. Here's a fourth one. I call this the beauty and danger of glory. The night with the shepherds started like any other night. The sheep are bedded down. This little group of grunts had drawn the short stick, the night watch. Because while sheep sleep, predators prowl. And it's amazing that the shepherds make it into the story at all. Because shepherds in that society, they're, at the, they're on the bottom of the food chain. Especially the night shepherds. They're dirty, considered poor, smelly, marginalized. They could not worship as most Jewish people could worship in the temple because they were considered dirty and unclean. They had to stay outside. You can come, but just stay off to the side. And yet, the only public announcement of the birth of Jesus happened to these poor little group of outside marginalized people. They had a front row seat. They got the box seats. They got the best seats in town for this event. Luke 2.9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were scared sheepless. That's what they were. It was a scary, panic-inducing, heart-pounding kind of beauty. We can only imagine what this moment was like. The Message Bible says God's glory blazed around them. And the word glory, it's a stained glass word, but it means heavy, weighty, significant, poignantly loaded, that's what the word glory means. And I bet we've all experienced these beautiful moments of beauty and glory, but there's a little fear involved with them at the same time. We've all had them. I was uh, fishing in the Little Laramie River uh, one day, and I came around a corner in the stream, and there were twin baby moose standing right there. Beautiful, beautiful twin baby moose. And for a moment, I just kind of got caught up in the wonder of this moment. And then I remembered one thing. Mama. Where's mama moose? And as I was just watching this, and all of a sudden, she raised her head out of the bushes right here. And I mean, she wasn't further than that tree away from me. And the babies were here. And this is a moment of beautiful, terrified glory, because I didn't know if I was going to end up like that coyote in that picture. But you know what it is, right? It's like uh, another uh, time we were, uh, we were at Yellowstone, and you can run that video here. We're at Yellowstone, 
And I'm standing in this spot along the edge of the river, and I'm looking out along this placid river, and guess what happens? There it goes. And there's a powerful beauty, but there's a, mo- there's a heartbreaking, and in, in that picture that you see there, where I was standing was right at the top right of that waterfall. And that's where I was. And you, know, you, get, you get this, right? You getting the feeling here? All right, have you, how many of you been to the Grand Canyon? I see all those of you at home raising your hand, so good for you. Been to the Grand Canyon. How many of you have stood out on an edge like that guy right there? Uh, n- not behind a rail. Right? It's one thing to stand behind a rail. It's a total different feeling to get out from behind that rail and stand there and look down in this unbelievable canyon. Three people died last year in the Grand Canyon falling off of a spot like that. But there's a beauty, but there's a danger to that kind of experience, isn't there? We were, uh, as you begin to think about the universe and how unbelievably big the universe is, you think about that. And we, we live in the Milky Way. How many of you stood at night and looked up at the sky and seen the Milky Way? Yeah, we've, we've all done this probably. And, and the Milky Way is kind of a medium-sized galaxy in our universe. It's not the biggest. It's not the smallest. Scientists estimate that there's between 100 and 400 billion stars in our galaxy, in the Milky Way galaxy alone. And where we are, where the Earth is, oh, and there's that many planets as well as stars. And where we are in the swirl, we're kind of out in the swirl where the Earth is on that picture there. Uh, we're traveling through the universe in that galaxy at 500,000 500, miles an hour. And our hair doesn't even blow back. We're traveling that fast. And, and our galaxy is uh, a part of a group called the Local Group. And it's speeding toward another group of galaxies. It's called the Great Wall. And our galaxy with these others is speeding through the universe at 100 million miles an hour. No, sorry, one million miles an hour. Hope we have airbags. Hope we have airbags. I was fishing at night with my brother up at Walden one time, and uh, we, were, we were in our float tubes, float tubes up, and the moon, there was no moon, and it was this beautiful night, dark, and we could just see the Milky Way. We could see once in a while a falling star. And we began to talk about how big the universe is. Some of these quotes. There are stars in the universe, a single star that's a billion miles in diameter. A single star a billion miles in diameter. And we're we're out there and my brother says to me in the darkness, Hey Dennis, makes you feel kind of small, doesn't it? And I thought, and I thought, and I said, actually, David, it makes me feel kind of important. There's a line in the song, O Holy Night, and and Ryan talked about it the other night. He said, long lay the world, this is a line in the song, in sin and error pining till he appeared, and what? And the soul felt its worth. And I thought, the God of the universe, the God who can and is continuing to create this unbelievably vast universe, came here. Came here. Just a short time ago, 2,000 years ago, a short time. Lived our life, sweated our sweat, loved, 
died, came back to life again and said, I didn't do it for me. I did it for you. I did it for you. I hope your soul feels its worth today by the beauty of this unbelievable, powerful God who said, I am not so big, I can't become so small and love you and love you. And to think that the God who created all of that came to our planet, it's no wonder the angels couldn't keep their mouths shut about this event. So how do we leverage this beauty? We've talked about all kinds of experiences of beauty. How do we leverage it? And here's the point of beauty. It all has a potential to connect us to God. It's the point of it. It's to connect us in a significant way to God. I mean, we see it. We see it in the angels, right? In, in Luke 2, 13 and 14, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel, and this was their response, praising God and saying, and then they talked to the shepherds. But there, there's a moment of beauty, and they're, and they're praising God for it. The highest creatures that we know of in the universe, other than God, praise God. And then we go to the lowest, to the shepherds. The shepherds returned after they'd seen this baby in a manger. And what were they doing? Glorifying and praising God, Luke 2.20, for all the things they had heard and seen. Now you got the lowest, highest and the lowest. And then the magi come on the scene, probably a couple years later, this group of stargazers, or astrologers, we call them the wise men, travel hundreds and hundreds of dangerous miles following a star. Most likely it was a convergence of planets, which they had been watching and interpreted as a sign of the gods that somewhere on this planet a supernatural disruption of historical significance was taking place and they wanted to get in on it. And so they thrust themselves into the story. And these guys who don't even belong get into the story. And what's their response when they saw the child and his mother Mary? This is Matthew 2.11. What did they do? They bow down and worship. Because the natural response to a moment when we get a glimpse of this Christ, this Messiah, this Jesus, is to worship. It's to worship. From the highest creatures to the lowest human beings to people who don't belong in the story. And here's why that happens. Because the angel said, this is good news, not just for some people. It's good news for all people. And Jesus had done absolutely nothing yet except be born. So how do we experience beauty in our everyday lives? How do we leverage this? I have three suggestions. First of all, awaken to the beauty. Pay attention. Keep, your, keep our eyes open. Be intentional about tuning all of our senses to beauty. Our sight. Learn to see beautiful things. Pay attention. Learn to hear beautiful things. Hear beautiful things. I don't think we've had Christmas until we hear Anne Martinez sing Oh Holy Night, have we? It's not Christmas until Anne Martinez sings Oh Holy Night. And the beauty of that song, the beauty of that moment, some of us got to hear it six times. Move me to tears every single time. The beauty of music. And it doesn't have to stop now. We can carry it on in. There's the beauty of of taste. Ryan cut the end of his finger off in the beauty of the taste of a wonderful prime rib. 
taste of chocolate, a good beverage, beauty of those moments. They're all intended to connect us to God. It's not just a physical experience. Beauty of touch, the soft skin of a baby, the cheek of a grandparent, a hug of someone you love. Hugs these days, uh, more and more rare because <laughs> we just aren't supposed to do it. But the touch, the beauty of hug, the smell, beauty of smells of a rich, elegant cologne or pine wood forest in a rain, moments of beauty. And in each instance, when we recognize and awaken to beauty, sight, sound, touch, taste, feel, is a moment that connect us, can connect us to God and to say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I guarantee that the joy factor in our lives will rise when we get a grip on the beauty that's out there every day. So the first thing is to become aware of it. Then the second thing is to point it out. Point out the beauty. Let's raise the beauty quotient in our community. After the shepherds experienced the beauty of this birth, it says in Luke 2, 17 and 18, that they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. I love Facebook posts of beautiful things that people see. And they share them out. They point them out. Did you see that? Did you hear that beautiful song? Listen to it. Did you taste that beautiful taste, that chocolate, almond, fudge, ice cream? Point it out. And thirdly, draw out the beauty. There's so much beauty around us, particularly in other human beings. Draw it out. In your children or spouse, grandchildren, partners, friends, even strangers. And use the word beauty. Let's just get used to using that word. One of the most beautiful things about you is, and then fill in the blank, your, your generosity. The way you serve, it's one of the most beautiful things about you. The way you care. The way you serve. I'm talking to people in a room. Let's use, let's just get used to using the word beauty. And then draw out the beauty in your workplace. Create beautiful things. Constructing a beautiful room, decorating a room beautifully. Use sheetrock and engineering and material. Create beautiful things that weren't there before. Beauty. Two, two very simple ways to do that. This week, find a post-it notepad somewhere and just write the word beautiful on it a couple of times and just put one on your refrigerator and on your mirror. Put one on your dashboard of your car or your desk. Just as a mental prompter to Use this word beauty. A couple years ago, a friend from our church uh, sent me a Christmas card, and in the word in it, she had put this sticker that says, You are beautiful. And I was, what, 62 at the time? And I think in 62 years of life, nobody had ever told me I was beautiful. I went up this morning, and guess where the sticker is? It's still sitting on my desk. Was that important to me? So on your way out today, I've got some of these stickers back there on the tables. You can pick up a couple of these. You can take them on one condition. You send them to somebody this week. 
or give it to them and say, I just want you to know you are beautiful. One of the most beautiful things that's come into our lives in the last uh, couple years was these triplets that I talked about earlier. And I don't suppose there's been any event in our life that has awakened us to beauty, drawn out beauty, helped us point out beauty than these three little girls. And when you saw that picture, what happened in you? I think something in you went, aw, or wow. That, that's how God is. That's what God does. That's how he uses beauty, if you will. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, we do not merely want to see beauty. We want something else which can hardly be put into words, to be united with the beauty we see, to pass into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it, to become a part of it. And I hope that on day three of Christmas, if we've talked about beauty, that, that in these coming days you'll be awakened to the beauty and that you'll point it out and draw it out wherever we see it. And so what's God inviting us into today? Well, I hope that you'll fully engage with this 12 days of Christmas. On your Connect card, you can pull that out. And if you're watching online on your digital Connect card, there's some boxes there to help engage. You can put, check the box that says, sign me up for the daily drops of hope. You can join us on the webinar on Tuesday night with the author of the book that we're going through, Bruce Epperly. And I hope that you'll Check that box and pledge. Make your pledge because, man, there's no other way to awaken and draw out and point out the beauty in our world than to give our time, talent, and treasure to what God's doing in our world. Emmanuel, God with us. The Messiah. Beautiful. Let's pray. Lord, it was not possible for you to create a universe without beauty. It wasn't even a discussion. You created this unbelievable universe and in it you put this place called earth. And you created it beautiful and we messed it up. And you said, I'm not giving up. You communicated and sent word after word of how to live and experience the beauty of shalom, the beauty of peace. And then one day you said, I'm going to go there. I'm going to be a Messiah. I am going to help them understand what a beautiful life is all about. And we are grateful for that. So God, awaken us. Show us. Give us this awareness because we want to be drawn in. We want to be drawn in. Thank you. Amen.